guys can have a seat. Isn't it just great to come in the room and worship and just come in the presence of God and just sing at the top of your lungs with the body of Christ? I've just been excited about this morning. Um, It's been kind of a fun week for me. Uh, This isn't what I'm most excited about, but uh, I've been working on a project for, gosh, two, three years, and uh, I've been writing a book and just came out. Um, And so, yeah, this this is fun for me. I... I, uh, but, but Lisa and I, uh, it, they're not out in stores. It comes out uh, May 1st. But um, Lisa and I bought 2,000 of them because we liked it so much. And uh, <laughs> no, but to, to give away to you, so on your way out, just grab one. Because um, I didn't want you going to Borders May 1st and buying it and paying 15 bucks and going, I've heard all this. You know, <laughs> because it's, it's stuff that I've been sharing. It's been on my heart for the last five years that I've been sharing with the church and to try to cram it in a couple hundred pages and everything else. So this way, if you don't like it, you're going, oh, it's free. You know, um, and uh, if you want to donate something, don't, don't give it to us. Uh, give it to our, our building project um, because uh, June 15th, um, everything kind of comes to a head. The escrow, we have to close and decide and... Uh, and just to tell you, we've talked, and, and this isn't what's most exciting to me. This is also exciting, our land, but I'll tell you what's most exciting. Just, just calm down. And um, uh, June 15th, our escrow closes. Um, we've been dragging this thing out for like a, over a year with the property owners. They've been very gracious, but we have to make a choice. Um, our attorneys are telling us that uh, in our resubmitting of this proposal to the county that things look really good. Um, but we know it's really not up to the attorneys. It's, you know, or is it up to the county? You know, it's, it's either the Lord's plan or not. But the ch- chances are is come June 15th, we probably still will not hear from the county. We may know by then whether they okay it or not. But there's a chance that we won't, and we need to make a decision. And so as elders, we decided, you know what, let's just buy the property. Regardless, worst case scenario, we sell it afterwards. But we got to make a decision. we got to go by faith. We believe that this is what God wants for us. And so we're going to go forward with it. And so come June 15th... Um, we had come up with $5 million <laughs> one way or another, whether it's taking a loan or, but I, I would just love to see us as a body just say, you know what, let's, let's get behind this thing. Let's make it happen. Um, let me give you some vision um, just for those of you who are new and maybe don't know about this whole property. Why are we buying property? Um, I think it's obvious because of the space problem as uh, people are watching on TV screens and other rooms right now, and some people will probably be turned away again this weekend and every weekend at Cornerstone. Um, We've been stuck for land, um, for space, really, for people to come to our church for the last five years. Um, And I I really want you to hear my heart on this, and I, I believe I am saying this in complete sincerity. I don't really care to have thousands of people come to the church. It's not like I get excited to have more people complain to me. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not this, oh, let's just get the biggest church in the world. Um, as I get older, though, um, I, there's a deeper sense of urgency with my life. And every year, every week, as people die here in Simi Valley and not just of old age or, but sudden sicknesses um, car accidents and most recently just there have been a lot of suicides 
and even homicides in our own valley. And every week I'm hearing about this stuff. It, it, it kills me because every, every single person like that is a soul that is just as significant as mine. And every weekend, a lot of these people, that, and this, this drives me crazy even more, is sometimes they come to the church and they don't experience some of the warmth and acceptance and relationship. I mean, we've had people show up to church hopeless and kill themselves that very week. And I think, man, they were in this room. And so, you know, I know a lot of the issues are we have to work harder at once they get here and loving them. And that's what I'm excited about. We're going to talk about that this month. But beyond that, there's also just this group of people. I don't want to just be about the rest of the world. Right here in Simi Valley, there are people who don't know Jesus Christ. And, and right now, Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings are a venue that they're willing to come to. I mean, all four services are packed out. And Easter, all five services were just, you know, way overflowing. And it's like, okay, this is a real issue. And we've tried to plant churches. And we started churches in different places and sent people out. We've preached hard messages, hoping some of you'd leave. And, um, <laughs> but... Uh, People just keep coming, and we go, you know what? This is a real, this is a real thing, and, and we, we, want to, uh, we want to reach out to the community and impact them. And so we've been on this hunt for land, and, and you guys know that, uh, I mean, for years we've been looking for land, but it's so expensive. I mean, it's a million dollars an acre. Um, and so sometimes $2 million an acre, and then we found this plot of land over in the Tierra Hada, you know, just, just right on the border of the, the city. It's actually in the county land. And it was 140 acres for $5 million. So we're like, okay, we're not going to beat that. And now let's just see if we can build on this land. And as we investigated, and we went through this process with the county. And, and, and remember, we, we looked at building and we had uh, planned out this whole building project. And it was going to run probably 50 to $60 million. Um, but after looking at it um, and evaluating, it just didn't sit well with us. It's like, how can we spend that kind of money after what we've been exposed to in the world. Um, many of us as leaders have been to third world countries and not just seen poverty, but we've seen like hopelessness. Uh, it, it's almost like another level of poverty where, okay, you're not just poor, but you're, you're looking in my eyes like you have no hope whatsoever. You're just waiting to die. And it, I, I can't explain it. I, I, you, you can't. You, you can't explain how you feel. I, I mean, until, you know, people said, oh, I, I heard you in church talk about this. And you talked about this. And I kind of got it. And then I went and I was like, oh, my gosh, I've never felt like this in my life. And so you look at that and you go, okay. I got to do something. I got to do something. I got to make something. I, I, last, yesterday, yesterday I was in Texas, you know, with Doug, who was preaching here last week. And I was speaking, I think, in Texas. So we, we hooked up and got together, hung out. He was telling me he just got back from Uganda a few weeks ago and was in these rural areas where people are just dying left and right of AIDS and the hopelessness. And he just kept going, this isn't right. This isn't right. We got to do something. Got to do something. And so that's why it's like, I just can't handle spending a fortune on ourselves and so the idea came up of, why don't we just meet outside? And which I know sounds like a crazy idea, but then the more I prayed about it and the leaders prayed about it and thought about it, it to me it's the only thing that makes sense um, biblically. Like, what if 
what if, I know it's not ideal for us. I know it's not the most comfortable thing for us to be outside rather than being in a nice air-conditioned or heated room and nice padded chairs and everything else, you, you know. But I really think, I really think that everyone, everyone looks at what's going on in the world and that we all have some sense of feeling like I could do more. And, and I don't know if it's guilt or whatever, but there's also this sense of I should do more. But the thing that I get most excited about is I really believe that the majority of us in this room feel in our hearts, I want to do more. Um, I actually desire, that's something I want to do with my life. And I really believe at the end of our lives, we're going to look back and say, you know what? Uh, Not even at the end of our lives, but as we're doing it, as we sit outside and we ourselves are made a little bit more uncomfortable so that that money can go to the poor around the world so that someone else can live and eat and actually have a place, you know, have a roof over their heads, you know, for for life. You know, I think that as we do that, we're actually going to be happier than, you know, because there's a joy in sacrifice. There's a joy in giving. There's a blessing, Jesus says, in giving that you don't get from receiving. And so this whole idea of this outdoor amphitheater came up and said, well, why don't we create that? It'd be a lot less cheap, you know, a lot less expensive. And, um, and we can fit the thousands of people that we're praying will come and worship in that way. And in that way, really model Jesus Christ. If you know what, this is an ideal for us, but we're going to sacrifice some of our luxuries for our brothers and sisters who are in greater need. And not only that, but then we, we, we looked at the project some more and said, well, what if we built like a park-like setting, you know, for the city? So now we're not just giving to people around the world, but what does our community need? And as we research that, the city officials are telling us, you know what, we need soccer fields. And so we're going, okay, you know what, uh, we don't really want soccer fields necessarily, you know, or take care of, but why don't we build some soccer fields in that area and give it to the community, you know, and create that setting for them. So now we're giving to us. And then we got beyond that and said, you know what? Children's Hunger Fund needs to relocate because they're bursting at the seams. And here's an organization that is, you know, being used by local churches here and abroad to get food to those who are truly in need. And what if we help them expand and relocate and put them on the property, which isn't ideal for us again, but you know what? It's like, what if from this one piece of property, we could be helping out our community and helping out people all around the world and sending supplies and everything else? Wouldn't that be such a biblical picture? And we start getting real excited about this idea and... Um, brought it before the county and we've been in a great process with the county real cooperative with us we've just been working back and forth and everything's been good um except for the media and uh the media got involved and and i I just need to share some things with you um because uh, i know a lot of things are are said because of some of the things and i understand too i understand the media i understand the media because look you you have to when you write a paper, you write an article, you've got to go one way or the other. Neutral and just stating the facts is boring. It doesn't sell. And so you've got this choice to make. Either I make this a great project, you know, in the public's eyes, or I make it a bad project in the public's eyes. And you can go either way on this. 
And they chose the bad way, you know. And, you know, because they could have written, man, church seeks to sacrifice and feed millions. Or, you know, they wrote something about us trying to bypass a law or skirt a law or skirt a vote or this or that. And, and I just have to tell you, it is not true. We submitted to the county. We came before the county supervisors, met with every single one of them individually, the ones that would meet with us and say, look, here's our plan. Here's everything we want to do. We don't want to hide anything. We're even told, you don't have to tell us all this. No, we want to tell you everything. And you decide. You let us know. If we have to go to a vote, we have to go to a vote. If we don't need a vote and you guys make a decision, we don't go to a vote. It's all in your hands. I mean, that's the truth. You know, and, and, and then, you know, there was more articles that came out saying the church is disregarding deadlines. And I mean, their deadlines, you guys, that also is not true. Okay, we, we had some questions for the county after they came back to us. It took them so long to get back to us with our answers that they extended our deadline and said, okay, you can have to this date. But paper doesn't talk about any of that. And it's just the church disregards deadlines, you know, that's already passed due. And it's like, you guys, this just isn't true. And... What's hard about it is, is then things get said in our community. Um, I start getting emails. I start getting letters. Um, uh, and you read some of the blogs, you know, that have actually written that have compared me to David Koresh and how we're trying to create this compound up there. And I'll probably marry a bunch of you, you know. And, <laughs> you know, it's like this stuff you guys and i mean and and then uh my daughter my daughter my daughter goes uh horseback riding and she gets to this stable place and there are flyers everywhere with my face on it local pastor seeking to destroy our green belt you know stuff like that and you know and and so and i'm not going to pretend like eh, you know no big deal <laughs> you know it, you know it sometimes it gets to you, you know, i mean strangers just yesterday or or this week you know a starbucks kid comes up okay aren't you one of those pastors i gotta ask you know and and it's like oh you know it, it gets weighing on you there's that side but also you know honestly there's this other side that excites me it really does because you guys it's not supposed to be easy Life is not supposed to be easy. The Bible says we are in a war. Um, and, and, and understand, you know, and, and yet we fight it differently. You know, we do. You know, we've written back to the papers and the people there and told them they're, they're all going to hell. But um, no, no, I'm kidding. No, that's not how we fight this war, okay? No, we, you know, been gracious and everything else and saying, gosh, you know, I don't feel like you're presenting things the right way and everything else. But... Um, but the other thing that excites me, you know, Jesus, Jesus says this is what you need to expect. And when you read through the book of Acts, you see how often the apostles are accused falsely. And that's why Jesus says in Matthew 5, 11 and 12, he says, Blessed are you when people accuse you falsely for my name's sake, because great is your reward in heaven, and there ought to be a rejoicing. And, and we've got to believe that and go, you know what? Let's just continue being gracious, keep laying out there and see what happens. Um, and then the other thing, though, too, that excites me is I have found in my lifetime that persecution is strongest on the eve of something great happening, right? You know, and, and it is a weird thing that has happened here over the last year, completely unexpected, but our little project, for some reason, God has chosen to put it on display to the churches in America. 
And it is a strange thing that's going on. You're going, man, we're just doing our little thing here, but God has chosen and said, you know what? I'm going to have thousands of people, thousands of churches look at this and say, why don't we love more? Why don't we give more? Why don't we care more? And literally millions of people knowing about our project, our little thing, you know, of, well, we're going to buy Kmart, Hot. we're sitting here, you know, and God goes, you know what, there's something else I'm doing here. And it is, it's a strange thing. I don't get it. I don't know what God is doing. It's fun to be in the midst of it. I don't know what is going to happen in the future, um, but we've made this commitment, and as elders, we're saying, you know what, let's go for it. Let's move forward, and, and I'm excited about it. I, I really believe it's something God wants us to do, but let me tell you about what I'm most excited about, Okay. Okay, because I'm excited about that, I'm excited about my book, I'm excited about my wife's new haircut, I'm, I'm excited about a lot of different things, and she looks good, you know, and just, uh, um, <laughs> but here's what I'm most excited about, because all that other stuff, um, we get the property, we don't, or I, I mean, you know, the county lets us do it or not, life goes on, but there's something that is imperative that must happen here. And we are going to be talking about this for the next four weeks. It is something that the elders and pastors have been working on, and I get so excited about this. I really do. Um, in fact, last Sunday, last Sunday, while you guys were here and Doug was preaching to you, I was uh, preaching in Kauai, um, which was awful. Um, uh, it, you, you know, it, I, I got to just be honest. I mean... I love Hawaii. I just, I just do. And so a lot of times when I'm asked to speak there, it's just a little church, but I think, oh, they need me. And I, I just go, and it's selfish. It is. Um, and, and I tell you, I'm sitting, you know, they give me this little condo on the beach to so look over everything, and I can just stare at nature forever. Um, and and, I, and I, I'll tell you, I love, I love surfing in warm water. You know, I love just looking at the sunset. I just, I love the culture in Hawaii. Everyone looks like me, you know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, brada, you know, it's just like this whole vibe. They all think I'm local. It's just great, you know, and, and, um, but I'm sitting there and, and I got a couple of job offers, you know, out there and I'm going, hmm, you know. And yet at the same time, I just go, there's no way. There's no way. God has given me a mission here in Simi Valley. And I am so excited about it. And I am so fired up about this, about, about the church, about Cornerstone Church. And it doesn't have to do with our building project. It doesn't have to do with our budget. I mean, those are all little pieces of it. But the leadership here, the elders have this vision. It's something that has bothered me for as long as I've been reading the Bible, that we are not really living like the church. I mean, truly living like the church. And I've preached about it, and I've said it, but I feel like, you know what? It's coming together now, where we have a vision, and we've been moving toward it for the last few months, where we want to start living like the true church, just like the biblical church. And relationships are starting to form in, in communities. There's, it's growing, it's growing, it's growing. And, and all of the leadership are on board. And we're going, you know what? This is going to happen. This has to happen. And it has started with the elders and the pastors. And uh, they've made a video to kind of share with you the vision. And I'd like you to watch this because it's what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks.
A couple years ago, a few of the pastors and the elders, we started asking ourselves some questions. And we started looking at Cornerstone, and we, we always loved Cornerstone, but we wanted to see if what we were doing was really biblical. And so we started looking at the way we did things on the weekends, the way that we did things midweek, and we started asking ourselves, is this biblical? Is there a better way to do church? Is this how the body really needs to function? Or has God called us to something different? Part of our discussion centered around, too, is to were we really being biblical? And what does this community process really look like? The way we were doing church in America just didn't seem to match with what was done biblically. And there were, um, you know, when you read the book of Acts, it just didn't seem to be the same thing. I realized that, that we were doing good things. It's not as if we weren't doing good things. It's that sometimes I just wondered why we were doing the things we were doing. And it started to hit me, though, as I read the Bible over and over and over again, that we're more than just a people that do things. We're a people that model who God is to the world. And I didn't want to just settle for nice programs, nice people, nice place. I wanted a group of people that really lived out Jesus Christ to this world. So one, one of the problems I've seen in the American church in general, and certainly in Cornerstone in particular, is that there, there's this, this sense that the pastors are the hired holy men, and they're the ones that are paid to be holy and to do all the work of ministry. And that just seems to conflict with what Scripture says, where it, it teaches that the pastors and elders are to be equipping believers for the work of ministry. Part of it, too, was, you know, I've been in, my, been in church my whole life, and to have the thought that maybe what I've been doing my whole life isn't exactly the biblical model is a little difficult to swallow. We already live in a busy culture. Um, we're going a million miles an hour to this practice and that practice, to school, to jobs, to the various avenues of just life that we already do. And then the church comes in and adds more things. Get involved in our children's ministry, our student ministry, our this ministry, that ministry. And what started to happen was we weren't helping people. In fact, in some ways, we were just getting them more busy with religious activity. Um, and the one thing that, that I like about where we're starting to go is, is we're taking what people are already doing and we're saying be purposeful with where you're at. I remember at a uh, staff meeting we had um, and Doug Fox spoke, he was the executive pastor at the time, and he explained Cornerstone as this mall mentality that as people come in a Cornerstone they would walk through and there'd be so many different things to do. There would be people calling like in a mall from different shops. They'd be, come, come on over here and do student ministry. Come on over here and, and go to a men's retreat. Come on over here and do a women's retreat. And there's so many different people beckoning you to come and do their ministry and what they did. And that left people separated. It, it makes it so you'd be busy in one area, but you really couldn't get connected to the entire church. Several months ago, I read a quote from John Stott in a book that just really kind of set things down for me. And, and in essence, this is what he said. He said that it's not, our theology isn't just what we say or what we think. Our theology is what we do. And that in many of the ways that we do church, we actually preach heresy, that we have what he called heretical structures of church. We communicate by the structure that we have that there, there's a small number of people that they need to exercise their gifts to everybody else, but all the other giftedness really doesn't matter. And that is so contrary to what Scripture teaches. It says that all of us, every single one of us has been gifted by God and that if if those gifts aren't exercised, that it's, it's a deficiency for the rest of the body. The way the cornerstone has evolved into the new way of doing church is living out Christianity. And uh, the community aspect is something we're excited about. And we're all on board with 
letting the church be shown by action and not by just mere words. The part of community that's really exciting for me is the fact that I see others that are taking on ministry. That it's not just being funneled through those identified leaders or paid staff, but people taking on ministry, meaning they're getting a little sweaty. It may be a, a little uncomfortable for them at times, but all of a sudden I see God taking a hold of them and working in their lives, and that is exciting to me. One thing that really excites me about this whole community model is what God promises to the church when the church really lives community. He says in 1 Peter, through Peter, he says that the church is a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And this people group, not these individuals, but this community of believers, when they really live in community with one another, what takes place is the attributes of God begin to be seen. In other words, people will start seeing the love of God in the way that we love each other. They'll start seeing the compassion, the gentleness, the justice of God in the way we interact with one another and the way in which we live in community. There is something beautiful. There's like this apologetic and argument for God on how we live together. And that's probably the main thing I love is that when the world sees us truly living and being the church, living out of how the Spirit has guided us to, to, to be in our neighborhoods, it's an argument for God that you can't deny. Ultimately, what I would love to see is groups of 30 to 50 people that in their neighborhoods, in a, a, a geographic region, are very intimate with each other in the way that their lives are lived together. And that what a weekend service is at Cornerstone is a bunch of these groups of 30 to 50 coming together to celebrate what God has been doing, where each one of those groups can tell a story about how God has been using them as a group and that we can together celebrate and worship our God. And the process of really getting the body to work together like that, to be involved in one another's life, is strange because of how isolated we are. But to get that concept and that thought and that kind of uncomfortable feeling where we're going to be involved in one another a little bit, those conversations were just strained. They were just difficult because you're talking about changing things we've done for a very, very long time. That that group of 30 to 50 people sees that not as, oh, that's Josh's problem, but that's our problem. Or if someone in our group has, has triplets and they're trying to struggle on how to do that, I don't want that to be seen as, oh, that's their problem, maybe we can help them but instead that should be seen as our problem. I really, I, my biggest desire is to see the word our come up a lot more than my and yours. Some of you may be thinking that this is a lousy idea. Some of you may be thinking that, you know, I've been doing church this way my whole life, or you're brand new to church and everything you've heard was come on Sunday morning and, you know, hopefully God will fix the rest of the week. But that's not what church is. and. Some of us are going to be really uncomfortable with this. Part of me still is to try and understand what we're doing and really get my hands around it. And I want to say to the people at Cornerstone, don't be discouraged. Take your discouragement to the Lord. Pray for your leadership. Pray for your pastors. Pray for those around you. Because what we're looking for is we're looking for those people with giftedness to step up. Everyone in the body has gifts. 
So you've heard from the elders, you've heard from the pastors here at Cornerstone, and I hope that you've seen our heart. We're really seeking to make this church be biblical. Not that we weren't biblical in the past, but we knew that we needed to make some changes. We knew that we needed to make some adjustments. And so we're hoping that as we continue to make Cornerstone a more biblical church, a church that the Lord is even more pleased with, we hope that you would be praying for us as we seek the Lord, as we search the scriptures, as we pray. And we want you to get involved. We want you to be involved in your neighborhoods. We want you to be reaching out to your neighbors. So talk to us. We want to help equip you. We want to help train you. We want to get you connected with other believers in your neighborhood. Together, not individually, but together, we can make a difference in Simi Valley and the surrounding cities. See, I, I get excited about this because, okay, let's face it. Those of us who read the Bible on our own, we've always read the scriptures and we saw the way the early church lived and we always thought, okay, that was back then. And there's been like this frustration because we go, yeah, but we couldn't do that in America. We couldn't do that here. We couldn't do that here. And as leaders, we're going, why not? They were human beings filled with the Holy Spirit. We're human beings filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter that we live in a society that's more individualistic, that's more independent, that's more about me. We as believers are supposed to live the way Christ called us to. And, and so the, the thing that I get excited about is not just that these guys are saying, okay, that's our theology, that's what we believe. And, and, and like Dan said on, in that, uh, in that um, video, he says, some of you guys won't like this because it's so different from what you were raised in. It was different from what all of us were raised in. It's not different from what it says in the Bible, but we have these church traditions. But at the same time, you've got to remember that, what, that Cornerstone, we've never hidden our agenda. We said this is a Bible-teaching church. We didn't tell you any denomination or whatever else. We're just saying as a group of elders, we're trying to figure out exactly what does this book say, and we're going to do it. I mean, beyond any church tradition or whatever else. And so if you have issues with it, man, show us biblically where we're wrong. Show us chapter and verse. You know, don't just say, well, you know, my church didn't do it this way. I always thought it was this way. This seems more right. Show me chapter and verse. We're trying to live this out biblically. And when we read the Bible, you see in the early church that after these believers saw Jesus rise from the grave, and they, they were so blown away, consumed with this, that that's all that mattered to them. And it said that they began to love each other in this way that we don't see in, in our society where they said, you know what, I care about you just as much as I care about myself. I love my neighbor as myself. And it says in, in Acts chapter 2, verses that, that you're familiar with, it says they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. We use this word community, you know, this, this grouping of, you know what, we're, we're a part of something bigger now. We're part of this bigger family that's going on where, where you and I aren't just going to see each other for a few more years. Some of us in this room, we're going to be looking at each other a hundred years from now, literally. 
a thousand years from now. And if we believe that, then how would we live on this earth? And how would we care for one another as this family? And it talks about how, it says, all the believers, listen to this, all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. It talks about in chapter 4 how no one had any needs anymore because every time someone was in need, the others came around and said, you know, I'll just sell this, I'll sell that. You know, I got you taken care of. And and like Josh was saying in that uh, video, it became our problem. You know, not your problem that I'm going to help you with, but hey, we're, we're, we're so tied into each other. And again, what I love is that it's not just our theology, but several months ago, you know, to look the elders in the eye, and this was what's different, to look elders in the eye to look pastors in the eyes and uh, I'm looking at Josh and just saying okay Josh I want you to trust me I want you to trust me that if anything happened to you you need to believe that I will take care of your family I will do everything physically possible and I will treat your wife and well not your, you know what I mean okay I will treat uh I will treat them as though they're my own, like, like, like your kid is no different from my kid, and because this is, this is the way God wants me to love, and to look at the different pastors and, and elders, and for us to look at each other and say, are we this committed to this? Do we believe this this much, that my car is your car, your car is my car, my house is your house? I mean, we've got to live this way and be that committed to each other. To look and say, you know what? You are my life insurance. To look at these men, I go, you know what? I trust you right now. So you know what? I trust you that if I died today, then my wife and kids would be taken care of by you. And I want you to trust me that same way and to have that type of bond because that's what I see biblically is supposed to happen. That depth of relationship. Not here's a few bucks, but no, you know what? I'm involved in something so big and so huge that I got your back. And I started going to different ones of my Christian friends and sitting them down over lunch or dinner and just looking them in the eye. And and with all sincerity, I could say, you know what? You can depend on me. And if anything happened to you, if you want me to, I will take your kids. I will take care of your family as best as I physically can. And to have that type of relationship and to look at one another when we're struggling or, or going off in sin because we're all sinners, right? We all still screw up and that we, we bring each other back and say, come on, we've got to work on this thing together. Because the truth is, is, is when you look at Acts, when you look at the book of Acts, I know that it's radical. I know, of, of course it's radical. Of course it's crazy. Of course it's insane. But the thing is, is that it makes sense. And what we do in church in America does not make sense. No, because it makes sense. I, I don't, don't get caught up in the crazy, insane, radical part of the way they lived. Get caught up in, does it make sense? Because doesn't it make sense that if you are a human being living on this planet and you watch someone die on a cross and then come back to life and he starts talking to you, Doesn't it make sense that that changes everything? And suddenly you go, wait a second, I know what's going on in this planet. And this guy tells you, he says, you know what, I am the son of God. 
Doesn't it make sense that if you really believe in your head, you really believe in your head and in your heart that God, the creator of the universe, literally had his son take the form of a human being and had him nailed to the cross to pay for all of your crimes. And then you believe that and then you see him rise from the grave and you believe he rose again to show you that he's got power over death. And you really believe that you're going to exist a million years from now. Logically, doesn't it make more sense that the things of this earth you would look at and you would go, man, this really doesn't matter. So I'm going to use all my possessions and everything else. We're just going to take care of stuff down here. I'm going to love you like crazy because the Bible tells me to. Doesn't that make more sense? What doesn't make sense is if those early believers really saw Christ rise from the grave and everything else and believe in the resurrection, yet their lives really didn't look different than the rest of the world. And they just attended church. And just gave a few bucks. See, that doesn't make any sense at all. And while the world may look at the church and go, they're radical, they're radical, they're radical in their minds, they go, but it makes sense if that's what they believe. What doesn't make sense is when we squeeze and try to fit Jesus into our lives, which is what so much of American Christianity is. It just makes absolutely no sense to the world. My wife's been reading this book called Believing God by Beth Moore. And um, great book, not as good as mine. But um, it, <laughs> kidding. But um, she was showing me this one quote where, where she, she just said, she goes, our theology, she's talking about the American church, she goes, our theology and our reality, there's such a gap between our theology and our reality that it sets us up for ridicule. And I thought, man, that, that's exactly it. People are going, you really believe this stuff? I'm looking at your life and I'm going, no, I don't, I don't see it. And, and the thing is, too, you got to catch this. Last weekend, last weekend, Doug preached out, out of 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. But if you continue to read on in the very next verse, I, I want you to hear 1 John chapter 4, verse 12. It says this, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Think about what John is saying there. He's saying, listen, okay, this whole planet, take the whole planet Earth right now, and no one in this whole planet has seen God physically. He goes, but... If we love one another. Okay, he's saying, you, you want the world to believe in your Jesus Christ? The Bible says it's not by getting a great preacher who can put a sermon together and having a great band and getting good programs and everything else that somehow that's going to convince the world that God exists. I'm not going to talk people into convincing that God exists, but somehow, biblically, it's saying no one's ever seen God, but if the church would actually live like the church and love like the church, somehow it's going to give some picture of God. Like they can physically see, experience God in this room by the way that we love one another. And, the, and obviously that means more than a handshake and what's your name during greeting time. He's talking about, man, if there could be that type of love that is supernatural, where you so believe that you're willing to say, you know what, this earth really doesn't matter. 
You need a place to live. Come on in. Let's just figure this thing out together. Let's work this thing out together. And he says, you know what? Then, then, then things are going to change. Then the world's going to actually see God in some way manifested through the church. That's not what I was taught in how to grow your church class, you know? But that's what I see in the Bible. And I, I'm excited about this because I've never, I've never really had peace about the way church is, you know, out here. And as I've been talking to my brothers and sisters in Christ and looking them in the eye and saying, look, I'm committed to you. I mean, 100%, 100%, just as much as I'm committed to my own children and really mean that. And then to trust them to say it to me and go, you know what? I believe you. I believe you. I believe you see that this man who rose from the grave and it offers us eternal life, you really believe this thing so much that your actions are going to show it. And I, I live with peace that I've got life insurance. I've got health insurance. I've got, I've got insurance through the body of Christ of people really caring for me and loving me. And our, our desire now is as elders and pastors, we're expanding those circles and we're, we're building into other people's lives and we're looking more people in the eye because eventually I would love to have in this room that true sense of community and family where I could, I could look at anyone eventually and, and to look at Graham and Manuela and say, listen, you know what? I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me with these three kids right up here that if anything happened to you that I personally would help and try to figure out you know and obviously one person's not new that's why the whole body it's like for us to look at each other and go you know what there's there's a real family here a true family and we don't know how this is going to work you know we're just starting by talking to other people and we're asking you you know can you look at your christian friends the ones you already call your brothers and sisters in christ that you know and can you start with them and can you literally look them in the eyes and make that type of commitment do you believe this thing that much because that's the direction this church is headed and i love it because it's not just me going hey i got an idea but it's it's, hey, we've been praying over this, like Matt said, for the last couple of years. And we've been implementing this for the last few months. And it's the elders of your church, it's the pastors of your church that are all bought in and go, yeah, we've never had a total peace. But we want to do this thing 100%. Because this is supposed to be a Bible-believing church. And so let's just go. Let's go with Scripture and let's run with this thing. And like I said, I, I get more excited about this than anything else the church is doing because I believe, and, 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 and we all know, too, we all know, when we look at what the Bible says, and we look at the way people typically live here in America, Christians, we go, this is going to take a miracle. It is an absolute miracle for an independent, selfish society and people who have been ingrained in that to actually love our neighbor as ourselves and become a family and actually be interdependent upon one another. But we're pursuing it. And we're saying, God, we believe and we are praying for a miracle. Um, and it's all or nothing. Because otherwise we're just playing church. And so I got to tell you, if you only desire to attend a church, um, this isn't the place. Okay? We really are after becoming the church as Christ intended it to be. 
And I don't have answers. I don't have all the answers. We, that's where we as a body work together. And it starts off by you getting to know your neighbors that call themselves believers and start committing to each other and loving each other so that it's not about your problem and my problem, but it's our problem. And looking at the church and, and, and not as this, you know, these hired people that, that run business. And it's not about this corporation. See, we gotta, we got to try to separate what is American and what is biblical. And, and go, yeah, I know this is the way they do it, but what is biblical and actually live it out. And I just got to say, I'm, I'm pumped up about it. I'm excited about it. And um, what we're going to do right now is, uh, is really at the core of everything. Think about it. We are about to take communion together. Okay, why am I saying that this radical type of living is the only way to live? Is because, think about, just dwell on God's love for a second. Was God's love safe, comfortable? No, you can forget that if you really believe this, I don't know if you do, but if you really believe that the God of the universe loved you so much that he had his son, his only son. I mean, if you believe the story, that he had his only son tortured and nailed to a cross for your sake, I'd say that's pretty radical. Okay, me committing to you and giving you whatever I have financially, that's really not that big a deal, honestly, when you compare it to that. The God of the universe. And that's why I'm saying if I believe, if I really believe in that type of crazy, radical, insane love from God, the only response that makes sense is for me to love you in that same way. It's the only thing that makes sense. And it's what Jesus asked for. He says, you want to show me your love? Then love one another. He goes, I'll be gone, but the poor, you'll have them with you always. So you love them like crazy. Uh, you don't need to wash my feet. You wash one another's feet. You want to show love for me? Here's the most tangible way. Love the least of these. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm just going, you know what? Uh, like I said, the older I get, the more the sense of urgency of, I don't really care to have this giant church if we're not doing it right. Um, I really want to experience God as God called us to. And I really want to believe in First John four twelve that if... We love one another. Somehow the world's going to look at this. And just like in the early church, people looked at the church and go, man, that's pretty crazy the way they love each other. I want to be a part of it. And God somehow was revealed to the world through the church. That's what I want to see happen here.